Hi, I'm Becca Stjernik, staff writer at theweek.com, and today I thought we'd talk superdelegates. Lots of questions lately about superdelegates. 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 So-called superdelegates. But if you're still wondering what superdelegates are and why it feels like the Democratic nomination hinges on them, I'm here to help. First, a quick primer on regular delegates. To secure the Democratic nomination, a candidate needs 2,383 total delegates. Each state has its own delegate system for selecting delegates to go to the convention and allotting delegates to the candidates. But generally speaking, when Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton wins a state's primary caucus, they've won the majority of the delegates, getting them closer to that total. But some states make more of a dent than others. Vermont, Alaska, and Wyoming each have less than 20 delegates up for grabs, while New York has nearly 250 delegates and California has nearly 500. Winning those big-ticket primaries can make or break a campaign. As of this recording, Hillary Clinton is leading Bernie Sanders by only about 300 delegates. But those delegate counts don't include the superdelegates. And when it comes to superdelegates, Clinton takes the cake. Clinton has a declared support of 469 superdelegates, while Sanders has just 31. While those regular delegates have to follow the will of the voters, superdelegates can vote however they please, independent of their state. They can even switch their allegiance from their pledged candidate to the opponent. At this point in the race, it's possible, and even likely, that neither Clinton or Sanders will get the nomination without the help of their superdelegates. Who are these power brokers? Superdelegate is typically an elite member of the Democratic Party falling into one of three categories. In category one are major elected officials. That includes senators, governors, members of the House, and leaders from each state's Democratic Party. Superdelegates in category two are notable party figures, such as former and current presidents and vice presidents. And finally, in category three, are select leaders of organizations affiliated with the Democratic National Committee. These select party elders get their superdelegate status automatically by virtue of the fact that they've been elected to public office. All of the members of these three categories add up to 712 total superdelegates. This group controls about 15% of the nominating process. The remaining majority, 85%, is controlled by those regular delegates. Typically, superdelegate votes don't have a real impact in the election. For most of the Democratic Party's history, party elders picked the nominee. It was only in recent decades that the Democratic Party began opening up the nomination process to give voters more of a say in choosing the nominee. Democrats began using primaries and caucuses to select pledged delegates in the 1972 and 1976 presidential elections. And keen history buffs will recall the results of those nominations that didn't work out so well for Democrats. This is the man who hopes to snatch the presidency away from Richard Nixon. Senator George McGovern, the Democratic contender from South Dakota. But though he can bring out the crowds, he's over 20 points behind in the opinion polls. McGovern was absolutely destroyed in the general election, and Richard Nixon earned his second term. In 1976, Democrats ended up with Jimmy Carter as their nominee, while Carter eked out a victory in the wake of the Republican administration's disastrous Watergate scandal. 
He was steamrolled by Ronald Reagan in 1980. I consider the trust that you have placed in me sacred, and I give you my sacred oath that I will do my utmost to justify your faith. So, yeah, you could say the Democrats' big delegate experiment didn't go so well. To avoid a repeat election failure, party elites decided it would be better to nudge along a nominee who could actually win a general election, rather than let the will of the voters decide things. The solution was a superdelegate system. This allowed party elites to put their thumbs on the scale, creating a more stable and predictable nominating process that favors mainstream candidates and policies. Critics argue that the superdelegate process is undemocratic, but the Democratic Party believes they still have their voters' best interests in mind. I mean, think about it. If the voters elect a nominee who just gets decimated by a Republican, then a Democrat and Democratic policies aren't in the White House. Superdelegates are meant to be a pragmatic check on the desires of voters that better ensure a Democrat wins. This year, the superdelegate system is more contentious than ever thanks to a major chasm between the opinions of the Democratic voters and party elites. And the fact that Clinton is crushing Sanders and superdelegates and that those party elites could tip the election for Clinton is causing Sanders supporters to call foul. Realistically though, superdelegates would never go against a clear decision by voters. In 2008, Clinton had the early lead in superdelegates, but as Barack Obama won more states, the undecided superdelegates followed him. Obama even earned the support of some Clinton defectors. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, who still wonders if the dream of our founders is alive in our time, who still questions the power of our democracy, tonight is your answer. The same could be true for the 2016 election. If Clinton starts losing big-ticket states, she might also start losing her superdelegates. And if by the convention, neither candidate achieves the 2,383 delegates needed by the convention, the supers will simply act as tiebreakers, nominating the person they think could win the general election. For more on this story, go to theweek.com audio. If you'd like to listen to more of the week's podcasts, you can subscribe to them on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And if you like what you hear, we'd love it if you could rate our podcasts on iTunes. I'm Becca Stanek. Thanks so much for listening.